we're here. This is Badger, and I'm Drew, and we got some really good things to talk to y'all about. It's been an interesting day in social media, and someone who we've been following for a long time was on PBC, uh, what do they call it, PBC Live, or... Yeah, I don't, whatever their, their new thing they're presenting for their fighters, I don't remember the name of it. I think it's live with Ray Flores on PBC or something like that. Yeah, something like yeah. time out with Ray Flores. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah sure. something like that. Yeah, I think that might be it. If you've watched them, they go live every Monday at three. And uh, today they had Erickson the Hammer Lubin on there. And it was a very good interview. Very good interview. All right, Badger, give me your thoughts on it. Mm, I mean, I thought it was a good interview. I thought the kid did a very good job of, you know, articulating himself and let everybody know that he's in the division. I just find it strange that people wrote this kid off uh, when he got knocked out by Jamal Jamel Charlo. Um, he was 21 at the time. Right. Um, and, you know, in boxing, there's a big difference between a 20-year-old and a 24-year-old or a 21-year-old and 25-year-old, and they call it grown man strength. Um, and he still may not even have hit his yet, but everybody wrote him off after Charlo, you know, got rid of him in the first round. And you would think that because he's built himself back up, he's had four fights since then, and he had some very good performances. His last performance against Nathaniel Gallimore back in October was a boxing clinic. And I mean... He had Gallimore hurt. He just didn't want to step on the gas and get him out. Not sure why he didn't do that. Maybe because Gallimore is always a dangerous puncher. Who knows? But he definitely showed a lot of maturity in the ring. And he's showing up some of those deficiencies that we saw him have in the very early stages of his off-raw athletic ability. Right. Um, I heard a very mature young man during this interview. I really did. I um, I was very, very pleased uh, listening to him, the way he articulated himself, the way he handled the questions that were coming at him. Um, but social media hadn't been so kind to him today. Social media kind of jumped on him because they feel like he called out Tony Harrison. But you have some more after listening to the interview, he didn't really call him out. What was he doing? Yeah, uh, a lot of people that I saw on social media, and I would like for you to also let me know what you saw, were, you know, kind of getting on the kid for calling Tony Harrison now, pretty much saying that now is not the time. You know, Tony just, you know, unfortunately buried his father and again, rest in peace to, to Coach Ali. Uh, again, never got to really meet him in person. Always kind of observing him here and there. He's like a very, very well-loved guy and a good man. Um, that's a big loss for that boxing community up there in Detroit. But, um, you know, what he was basically saying was that, you know, Tony Harrison has been, you know, has been documented on a few different occasions on platforms, uh, most notable the Boxing Voice, where he actually called out every junior middleweight except Lubin, when when pressed by uh, Nestor, who was the host of the show, when Nestor pressed him and asked him who would he want to fight if the Charlo rematch is not immediately available. And the first name he said was, you know, if I can't get my Charlo rematch, 
you know, I wouldn't mind a light touch up at home, you know, get me a fight at home. I like to fight somebody like a Jorge Coda, you know, somebody, you know, you know, a fight like that back home. Or, you know, if, if the Charlo fight can't be made and it's a big fight, I like, you know, I would love to, to get in there with Jared Hurd. You know, I would like to avenge my loss to him. You know, um, I would like to mix up with J-Rock, you know, and uh, he even mentioned Brian Castaño's name. He mentioned everybody in the PBC stable at 154 except Eric Smoothman. So this has been happening for a couple of months prior to what Lubin said today on the PBC live stream. Now, he also showed respect for Tony Harrison's dad, you know, and he didn't say, right, you know, he didn't say or else. And then he was being a little bit of a, of a gamester when he said you got 24 hours to respond. That was smart because it got people talking about him again and it got the, the public. He's pretty much letting the public know, hey, out and open, I'm calling this man out. The public's going to view it in poor taste. But because a lot of people might not have heard that Tony Harrison interview, they're going to assume Lubin's being a little bit, um, you know, crass and a little, bit, a little bit harsh by calling him out. But I urge everybody, you know, and not that it's a big deal, but just for context, if you really feel a way about what he said, check the Boxing Voices interview with June, uh, with um, with Tony Harrison. And the initial call was about the bottle game. So I think this was like a couple of weeks after the Tony Harrison Charlo fight when, you know, it was found out that Charlo had another water bottle in the corner that wasn't clear. So it was a conversation about that. And it kind of evolved into if you don't get a Charlo uh, rematch next, who would you like? And that's where it spurred from. Yeah. First of all, if, if Erickson Lubin was being crass or disrespectful, he would not have started out by acknowledging how sorry he was, you know, his condolences to uh, Tony Harrison for losing his father. Um, I believe people are just looking for a reason to be sensitive uh, because in this game, he didn't, every bit one thing if he had said, you know, don't try to hide behind the loss of your dad, he didn't do that. He acknowledged the fact that I know he's going through some stuff after losing his dad, but this is what you said about me. Come see me. That, that to me, that's, there's no crassness or disrespect in that. What it says is, Hey, you know, deal with you're dealing with, but when you're done dealing with it, I want you. I want you in the ring, and I want to deal with what you said about me because I know this is going to make a good fight. So, you know, they can get upset with the kid if they want to, but he's 24 years old. He's mature beyond his years, and, and that loss, even he admitted that loss really helped him jump light years ahead of where he was so you can they can get mad at what they, what he said about tony harrison but again folks understand that he was responding to what tony harrison had said about him um even in the midst of that acknowledging the fact that i know he lost his dad my condolences that what he's going through you know but come see me so i with all the stuff that's being thrown back and forth between fighters I don't understand how that became the hot topic of today. Well, I do ain't much to talk about, man. I mean, we're, everybody's, you know, foaming at the mouth for content, whether it be boxing, you know, comedy, and whatever entertainment you're into, we're not getting a lot of it. 
because of what's going on with the with the COVID nineteen. But just you know, touching back on Hammer because I don't want to spend too much time on it. It's interesting. We see this a lot in boxing. We see guys take a loss and they get rolled off, and we have to do better as a, a combat sports community to not do that, especially when the person that took a loss wasn't even in their prime. I think people are attributing what happened to him for a different, a couple of different reasons. One, he was very, he was very braggadocious leading up to the fight. He was very confident. And, and, and the way he lost, not only was it a highlight real moment for Jamel Charles, but it was only fitting because that's where the moniker keep running your mouth came from. You know, he made that kind of famous after the fight and it became a thing for him. He I think all of his merch is either lions only or keep running your mouth. So you got that part of it. Then you got the other part where Lubin was such a highly touted amateur. Remember, he was like the it thing for Team USA going into the uh, 2012 games. Mm-hmm. So for him, or was it, the 20, it might have been the 2016 games. No, 2012, 2012. Um, you know, he was, he was our hopeful, our Olympic gold hopeful. And when he signed with Iron Mike Promotions and turned pro, that cast a big light on him because you went from our hope of winning a gold medal to now you're the it guy in boxing because, you know, boxing is still a sport that leans heavily on its amateur programs, especially Olympians. So the fact he was going to be the A guy on our Olympic team and he turned pro, that raised the level of expectation for him exponentially. So he had a so for the people in the boxing community, he was like he had a meteoric rise, right? And to the casual fans, he was braggadocious and talked about the crap. And oh, by the way, he just knocked a guy out by doing a squat in the ring and jumped up and knocked him out on national TV. So all those things kind of coupled together, and then that loss. So people got left with a bad taste in their mouth, but again. He was 21 then. He's 24 now. He's had four fights since then. Gotten better each fight. He's got a world-class trainer to team up with, Jason Galarza. And I think Lubin is probably the dark horse to win that 154-pound division. The skill, the youthfulness, the athletic ability. He has the trials and tribulations that he's bounced back from. I mean, hey, if you if you if you looking at somebody to put your money on in that division, it's got to be him. Never seen him out box. We've never seen him exposed. You know, he got a loss. He got knocked out cold in the first round. Hadn't even broke a sweat. Rookie mistake. Great scouting by Derrick James and Jamila Charlie knew just what to do when he made this move. But we have never seen the kid outboxed or pressured at all. So there's a lot of layers left to unpack there with Eric Salubin. I think going forward. Yeah. 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 And honestly, not only did we cover him, but I've become a fan of his just in watching his maturity. And he mentioned just how happy he was to be with have his son with him, to be with his son, how it grounds him. And he just looks forward to training all day and playing with his son. I, I mean, it's just, his life has become very simplistic, which is great for somebody who's in the spotlight at that age. You can get rid of all the distractions on the outside and focus on what's important, which is your family and your craft. This young man, I'm serious. He's going to clean out the 154-pound division, and then I can see him moving to 160 and doing the same thing. So it's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting. Hey, um, I have to tell you the story about the nuns. 
I don't. All right, let's hear it. Okay, so there was a couple, and they went camping, obviously in the woods, in real desolate town. And it was like two thirty in the morning, and they were kind of laying there in the tent with no clothes on. And the girl, the woman, looks at the man and says, "Hey, go get me a soda and a pack of cigarettes." From the store, from the store. he's like, I don't feel like getting dressed. She's like, it's two thirty in the morning. Nobody's gonna be in the store. Just tell him to keep the change. So, so he grabs a five dollar bill or a ten dollar bill. Sorry, and gets in the, gets out, puts his shoes on, and walks down the trail, out of the woods, into the little variety store. Gets a soda, gets, goes up to the counter, asks for a pack of cigarettes, lays the $10 on the counter, thanks the clerk, and walks out. But as he's walking out, he sees three nuns get out of a van in the parking lot and start walking towards him. So he's freaking out, like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? So he just poses like a statue, hoping they'll walk right by him. So as they're walking across the parking lot, one of the nuns says, oh, this must be one of those new French vending machines. And the owner's like, well, how does it work? She said, well, you go up and you yank on the crank and you see what comes out. So first nun walks up, yanks on the crank hanging, pulls on it again, pulls on it again, and he drops the soda. She's like, oh, I got a soda. So the next one's like, I want to see what I get. So she walks up and she's yanking on the crank, yanking on the crank, yanking on the crank, and he drops the cigarette. So the third one comes up and she's yanking on the crank, yanking on the crank, yanking on the crank. And now she's yanking on it with both hands. And all of a sudden she walks away and they're like, well, what'd you get? She says, oh, hand lotion. Bruh, you got to chill, bruh. You got to chill. You got to chill. This is why we this is why we're never going to get sponsors, bro, because those type of inappropriate jokes, bruh, like. This is supposed to be like our after-hour show because neither one of us have a life, and this is what you decide to do with it. Like I'm, I'm. Hey, we could get sponsored by Jerkins. I mean Jergens. Bro, chill out with that. Anyway, man, listen, listen. So Mayweather, listen, Mayweather Broner. What's up? I've been seeing that trending today. What's going on with that? Unfortunately, I think that's gonna happen. <laughs> that's yeah, you out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I think Floyd believes at 60 he can take Broner. And remember, Broner called him out in D.C. after that fight and said, you got to come see me, Floyd. And Floyd's looking at him up from the audience like, what in this, What is this brother talking about? Man, Floyd would be the dog shot of Adrian Broner. Yeah. It, it needs to yeah. yeah. It needs to happen. Yeah, that's... That's, that's, that's not yeah, a pay-per-view, nah. pay-per-view fight. That's a PBC fight. Man, that fight ain't gonna happen, man. That fight is not happening, bro. Listen, stranger things have happened. People said he wasn't gonna fight Conor McGregor either. Oh, that never happened. Nah, but Adrian Brown ain't from the sell no t- Listen, the jig is up on AB, man. You can't keep getting whooped like that and think people gonna want to pay to see you fight. That's why it'll be a PBC fight. Man, you know Floyd ain't coming back for nothing less than three hundred million. He ain't coming back then, cause yeah, the only person he could get. If he fought Earl Spence or Bud Crawford, no, mm. I don't even know if Bud would sell that much on pay per view. Ain't no telling, man. So what else? What else we got? Um, honestly, oh, 
we we had Franchise. What's that? Franchise Williams? Oh, uh, Cruz. Cruz. I don't know why I want to call The hard hitting deep. Man, stop from respecting these people's names, man. We got an interview tomorrow night. We got a big interview tomorrow night. Let's can we make sure we get that right? Listen, can we do that? We can't mess up his name, but at least I didn't type it. So I just said it. So we got Franchon Cruz was talking with Clarissa Shields. And I said it right, Clarissa Shields. And they started talking about Layla Ali. And uh they were talking about, hmm, your daddy got a movie. Where's your movie? <laughs> What? <laughs> they, they came out the lane, bro? Really? Yes, yes, dog, yes. Because they were talking about how she said she's the greatest of all time. And Clarissa said, you can be the greatest when you ain't fought nobody. <laughs> wow. And, you know, Clarissa has been in a movie. And that's what Franchine brought out. I said, Clarissa, you were in a movie. Layla's daddy was in a movie. Where's Layla's movie? <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm going to say this, and I hope this don't come back to bite us uh, when this thing pop off for us in a couple of weeks. But I'm going to say this. Sometimes you just don't have to be petty, bro. Like, what do you get? So what happens is now Layla going to have to be petty, right? And this is going to continue to go back and forth. But what is what... are they going to fight? Probably not. So I don't understand why we're doing this. Especially especially the sisters, man. Come on now. Like that. Mm. But I did like, in the whole midst of the argument, Clarissa negotiated with her yard man. And he started cutting the grass during the interview. Wait, I, what? I like the fact that she, could, she was multi-handed. She paid $40 for him to cut the grass. $40. What Chris said. I got y'all man that do for, I got y'all man. I got y'all man to do for 10 packs in a uh what's for ten dollars in a pack of 305s. Oh Lord. Give me a number, bro, because I need it. Right, see? Did she move here? Ain't she in Florida? Did she buy down there? Uh yeah, I think she is. I just I think she followed, I think I think they all kind of followed the derails down here. I think she bought in Florida, man. I think. Could be wrong. She had on a warm a sweatsuit. So or a sweatsuit. we know she probably she probably cut weight too. But you listen, I agree with you about her and Layla. Honestly, Layla's not gonna drop weight to fight you. You're yeah. not gonna go up that high to and, fight her. And listen, at the end of the day, listen, she is for as beautiful as she is, because I think Layla is a very attractive woman, right? Yes. But she's what? She's 43. If that, I think she's more than that. Oh, okay. So she's she's well into her forties. Yeah. I mean, Clarissa's Clarissa and him are the same age. What? What? Why is there even a conversation between you and Layla Ali? Like, I I get the I get the respect part of it, and I get where Clarissa's coming from. You know, I'm big on us uplifting each other, so I'm I'm, I'm with that, right? But y'all ain't for the fight. And I meant it just the way I said it. Y'all ain't finna fight. Bro, she's four, She's in her 40s. Even if she wanted to, she could not get back in the type of physical shape that she would need to, to fight. Listen, That's crazy. The best move Clarissa could do, in my opinion, is to go on ESPN so nothing else is on right now. Hold a 
sit down or a press conference. I would hold a press conference. I would really kind of be in charge of what's going on. And I would announce to the world, on my end, this feud is over. I felt disrespected, but I understand this fight is not going to happen because if it was going to happen, we would have come to the table by now. I'm moving on. I mean no more disrespect to Ms. Layla Ali. Um, but I'm moving on with my career and she's moving on with her life. And I would leave it just like that. Yeah, but that's too much light, right, though. Right, I know. And you're saying there's too much hood in Clarissa for her to do that? I didn't say, come on, bro, you got to chill. I didn't say that. I said said it's too much light, right. Bro, we got to see these people out here in these streets, man. Right. And you can't see. So that means I got to fight for both of us. So can you relax with insulting people, please? I would greatly appreciate it. If, if, if you insult me, appreciate it. Um, you don't have to fight for me, bro. As soon as I see that hat fly off your head, I know I need to turn around and start swinging at the people behind us. I don't trust your vision, bro. You don't leave it at that. Hey, and if I get mine shined up real good, the light might might do more harm than good anyway. You got that possibility, bro. We could blind them together. And you go, bing, bing, bing. Wait till I get my concealed carry. You just need to stand behind me, no matter what. I hope, I hope that's a joke. I hope that's a joke, and I hope the state of Florida is watching, and I hope, you know what, I can't even have faith in the state of Florida. But if I could, I would hope they would expediently, expeditiously deny your application. Nope, nope. All I got to do is wear a MAGA hat, and I'll get it. I hope these people know that you're blind. We're going to make sure we iterate this on every episode. Tomorrow night is a big night for us, man. You blind. You can't see. You need to wear sunglasses like DMC. Yeah. Do you? No. Like, did you see the Michael Jordan meme from last night? No. No. Bro, Jordan did an interview with Amar Rashad. I think this was right before the the third uh, finals against the, against the Suns. And I guess it was really on the hard by his gambling problem. Mike showed up. He called his own interview with Amara Rashad because he hadn't been talking to the media. He goes and sits down and has a one-on-one interview with Amara Rashad and does a whole interview with Shay's on. The internet was loving it last night, bro. See, people don't understand that you're in touch with the people at the top. Nah, man, listen, the shades thing is came from my mom, bro. My mom always wears shades. Like, she was always like the classy lady that when she got in her car, she would put on her shades and hug before she back out. And she always had like the Ray Ban aviators looking like a state trooper and shit. So, I, I kind of, and then she's always had a few collector, you know, a few uh, fancy uh, designer frames. And I think that's why I subliminally picked it up from because my old boy would get a pack of, uh, Newports and where the cigarettes out of the box. So it wasn't from him. So it had to come from a mama. So that that's where the, the shades uh thing came into play. My dad would uh well he just a lot of times he smoked like either Marlboros or Pomals. I think Marlboros without the filter. So he would take one, pat it against the back of his hand, stick it behind his ear, take another one, pat it against the back of his hand. He'd have to do this whole routine before he would back out. I hated that. <laughs> hey, listen, man. There was some of them old school players back then, man. They, they, you know, they had some shit that we just don't have, man. Like that's some. 
Remember the whole routine Cedric Entertainer did on the Kings of Comedy? Yes. When he said he'd been driving the space shuttle and he lit that new port and put it inside his mouth and then backed it up. <laughs> bro, like, that's just, that's a part of the culture, man. I don't know. And, bro, when he did it, I saw my dad in that routine because my dad would always yeah. have a cigarette look yeah. in the side mirror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was bad, bro. It was bad. It was bad, bro. Oh my goodness. He used to kill me talking about, hey, I was smoking so you wouldn't start. I'm like, what kind of logic is that? Yeah, our parents are terrible. Yeah, yeah. Parents are terrible. But they'll stop. And we learned learned that as as we became parents. Damn, my parents are really fucking up on this part of it. (laughs) They missed this instruction. What they told us, they got the wrong manual. So we just have to try to do better with our kids, man. I don't know. Yeah, we got to because if we if I did you know I'd end up in prison if I treated no so but you know what I, I take nothing from the queen of the house and the king back then because my parents and my grandparents whatever they did to me I turned out okay so that's I a fact because I, know I wasn't fact. an easy kid to raise I was way too smart for my good you know how I know because I got one now. Way too smart for her good. So let everybody know what's up, man. What's up with tomorrow? Listen, tomorrow, you guys don't want to miss this interview. Uh, we can't mention his name, right? Nah, I wouldn't even tell nobody. Okay. I mean, this is our first guest on the beatdown, bro. So let's make it a surprise. It's going to be off the hook. I'm telling you, tomorrow, 11 p.m., we promise we'll be on and running unless we have a major catastrophe, but we're going to be on and running. At 11 p.m., the sh- you know the beatdown. We love y'all for joining us. We love y'all for sticking with us. And um, I'm gonna just say shout out to Fight and Share Nation, and I'm gonna turn it over to my partner to close it out. Man, man, you know another late night session in the books. Uh, like he said, tomorrow at 11, and then Thursday at 11, and Wednesday at 7 for the Fight and Share Report, and Sunday at 2. For the fighter share report. So we got five shows, five days of the week. And man, the beatdown, listen, for y'all that don't catch the fighter share report, y'all gonna like the beatdown. We just getting cooking. We got some great guests lined up. We're gonna be doing some crazy stuff on here. And you know, just just stay tuned because the real big announcement, the coup de gras, right? It's almost ready. And when it comes, you're gonna change the game with this shit. So Y'all make sure y'all stay locked in with us. And uh, is that the interview with the doctor who's also a stripper? All right, y'all, we out of here. I'm just trying to feed.